In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, Treasury of all that is good, Master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Amen. Well, we're going to start now uh, on verse 17. Uh, actually, I might go back up to um, um, just re- recapitulate 15 and 16 because that really sets the stage for what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing the Christian experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit as hope. And yet, incomplete because we don't see God but we will and this is the chapter remember Paul has been working toward this chapter since uh, he said back in verse uh, 18 of, of chapter 1 I am not ashamed of the good news this is the good news you see what is the good news the Holy Spirit that's the good news now Implied in that, of course, is everything else. You know, he bowed his head and handed over the Spirit. Um, but it's this... Um, and so now, uh, he's going to be talking, as we saw last time. Um, you see, um, you have not received a spirit of slavery again for fear, to go back into fear again. You've received the spirit of sonship, in which we cried, Abba, Father. I think we did a lot of that last time. Abba. Whenever I try to explain that, the first thing that comes back to my mind was a grocery store over in Israel, in Jerusalem. And I was, you know, pretty high shelves. I was walking down an aisle looking for something. And there was a little boy in front of me, maybe four or five. All of a sudden, he looked around and he realized he was without his father. So he called out, Abba, Abba, Ephorta, where are you? Dad, Dad, where are you? Father, like that. And his father was just wondering. He looked over and said, Anipo, Ebaya, I'm right here, there's no problem. But I thought, you see, Abba has all that trust, that love, that affection. It's a divine affection. It's the affection between the eternal Father and the eternal Son. And we're invited into it. It doesn't mean Daddy. It's not sentimental at all. It's, it's beyond words. Uh, it's knowing the Father. And then the way you say that in the power of the Holy Spirit is Abba. And you can't you know, philology and comparative work. But if you want to know what Abba means, you have to let the Holy Spirit teach you because there's no other way. Uh, And so we call Abba, Father. Okay. Um, And so, so then the Spirit witnesses to our spirit, you see, that we are the children of God. With the technatayu, with the children of God. Did you ever think about that? I remember in the story, 
when there was just the beginning of racial in integration, an African-American family moved into a neighborhood in Chicago that you know, was all white. And so there were, you know, rotten eggs put on their lawn and all kinds of things going on. And the man just quietly said, they haven't realized yet they're living next to royalty. He knew his dignity. You see, Abba, Father. And so, when you experience that Holy Spirit actually working that in you, it's inexpressible, but it's life-changing. Abba, that's who God is. And our Lord loved him with a divine affection. And he brings us into that. You see? When you pray, say, Abba. That's the way it begins in uh, St. Mark's, St. Mark's account of the Our Father. When you pray, say, Abba, Yitkadeshimak, Tetolmakutak, Tetemakutak. You see, Abba. When you pray, say, Abba. That's how you pray. Father. That's the way the whole canon of the Mass, from one end to the other, we're only talking to the Father. That's why at the end we say, through Him and with Him and in Him, is to you, God the Almighty Father, to whom we've just been just talking this whole time, all honor and glory for all ages of ages, amen, however we say it in the Mass. But um, the whole canon of the Mass is directed to Abba, your Son. There's one prayer uh, after the canon addressed to Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and so forth. But um, uh, it's all addressed to the Father, okay? Uh, and so, if heir, if if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, the Father, and co-heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ owns, I own. Except he's God. But I mean, we're, we're brothers in one way. And our human natures are both looking up to God. His with total equality, me now. But we're children of God like Christ. That's important, you know, to know that. Okay. So if we're children, then we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Everything he's got, we got. Okay. Including a glorified body one day. Okay. Now, co-heirs with Christ, then it starts, if we suffer with him so that we will be glorified with him. It's not a hidden clause in the contract, you see. As we suffer with him, we uh, become uh, co-glorified with him. And that will bring us finally into eternity. Co-glorified with Christ. We're going to shine you know, he says that in Philippians 3, right? Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And from heaven we await a Savior who will come and he will identify, is not the word they use there, our body with his glorious body. We're going to be glorious like Christ. That's his plan for us. Life is tough, yeah. But it doesn't last that long compared to eternity. So while we're here, we try to obey him and to bring as many other people as we can with us. 
And so that's what uh, this is about. So, see, if we um, suffer with Him, so that we may be glorified with Him, it's a fact, not a condition. The reason for the suffering is that we that we be glorified. Even now, then completely when we're with Him. So now we're going to start a section which is my old prof identified four bases of hope. This is a hopeful chapter, right? How do we know this is going to happen? He says right away, See, I esteem that the sufferings of this time, now, this now time, you see, are not worthy. They're not comparable to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Think about that. You're sick. You don't feel good. You've had disappointments. Okay. Nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And now here's the, here's the proof of that. You see, the avid expectation of the creation of the um, of creation, you see, uh, is awaiting the re revelation of the sons of God. I mean, if you just look around, you can see that. See, um, the eager expectation of the creation is awaiting the revelation of the sons of God. It was subject, sub, creation was subject to futility. Not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it, probably meaning um, Adam, but in hope or on the basis of hope, that is, even sin didn't close the door. Postponed the glory, but it didn't close the door. This is hope. So the first motive for hope is uh, just look at the universe and say it's imperfect. How do you know it's imperfect? You never saw other universes. How do you know? Because you know it's better. It's supposed to be better than that. That's a sign of hope. That's a sign of hope. It's going to be better. The disappointments, the sicknesses and all the rest, you see? Uh, it was subject to this um, emptiness, I want futility, I think I translated it. Um, subject, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. He didn't subject it in hope, but that whole situation is in unfinishedness, you see. For we know, so this is this unfinished state, how come I know the universe is imperfect? How many universes have I been to? How do I know how to compare? I know inside myself, this is not the way God made this. I know that. Well, that's a sign of hope. He's going to restore it. You see? Um, and so, creation will be uh, freed from the slavery of corruption for the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Our bodies are going to rise. The whole universe is going to be changed. See? For we know, and now we start this uh, very interesting, we know that all of creation groans and is in the pains of childbirth, literally, until now. 
Just walk outside and take a look. Or go someplace where there's a volcano going on. He said, there is... Uh, I'm trying to find this to make sure I'm... See, not only that, but you see creation. So, the first sign of hope is we know that this isn't a finished world. It's going to be better. And God's going to make it better. And we know that. We're bright enough to see it. It's lousy right now in many ways. And so we're bright enough to know that. How come we know that? We haven't been to a lot of other universes to compare because in our heart we know. That's the first sign of hope. Okay? Um, that is groaning and in the pangs of childbirth. That is a typical, what shall I call it, eschatological uh, word. The universe is groaning and has the pangs of childbirth. This is the word used also in the eschatological discourses. Giving birth, see? Not only that, now we start the next one, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, you know what first fruits are? When the harvest comes up, you take the best from the top and you bring it and give it to God. First fruits, the rest is yours. Well, God is saying, I'm going to give you my blessed Holy Spirit to live in you, to move in you, to heal you, to guide you. And that's just the beginning. When you're aware of the Holy Spirit, that's just the beginning of my plans for you. You see? Um, and so, now remember that the universe is groaning. Now it says, um, and we in ourselves are groaning. What are we waiting for? The adoption of sonship. Uh, the, which is what? The full adoption of sonship is the redemption of our bodies. Hey, I'm not an angel. You can't redeem me unless you redeem my body. I don't want to escape from my body. I, want, I mean, it's mine. So that's what he's saying. We're looking forward, as the text says here, you see, uh, to the full fullness of our adoption as sons that is the, the uh, redemption of our bodies. That's the second basis of hope. 